Well, it's a pleasure to be back in here with you this morning and to be able to open the word with you. And we will be in Psalm 138 uh, this morning. You want to go ahead and turn there. This psalm is a psalm of thanksgiving. There's a series of the psalms, and this psalm is attributed to David. Uh, Most scholars will agree that he is the author of this particular psalm. And there are several psalms. There's about 12 or 15 psalms that are attributed as being psalms of thanksgiving. And this is one of them. And this is one of the psalms that where David is voicing his experience with the Lord and causing him to cry out with thanksgiving and leading others in thanksgiving uh, before the Lord. And so that's very important for us to realize that we need to be people who are thankful. Okay, I think that in our society today, in Western culture, we are by and large maybe not as thankful of a people as we used to be because we have lived a life uh, of, of ease and luxury in our culture for the most part. Not everybody, but certainly the norm uh, for most uh, Americans is a life of relative We haven't been touched by too much um, negative things in our life. And so we don't know how to respond in Thanksgiving when things are not good. Okay, It's always easy for us to be thankful and to respond with Thanksgiving when all the circumstances are right and everything is good. Right? That's what we do. But do we still respond that way? When circumstances are negative and the outlook is negative, do we still respond with thanksgiving? Well, the answer is we should because our hope is not in this world. It's not in our culture. It's not in our government. It's not in any of those institutions that we uh, attribute or pay a lot of attention to in our society. But... Our hour, that is, if we are children of God, our cause for thanksgiving is our hope that we have in the Lord himself. And that is exactly what David is articulating here in Psalm 138. He's thankful in whatever circumstance he finds himself in, whether it's a time of ease or if it's a time of of trial, he's still thankful to the Lord. So, When do you express thanksgiving, or how do you express thanksgiving, just in general? How do you do that? Do you articulate that with other people? Is it something that you normally do? What's your conversation like regarding thanksgiving? That your car still works. (laughs) And And when you turn the key and it cranked? That's a good thing, right? That's good. That's good. What else? (laughs) And it works. That's good. That's good. What else? What are you thankful for? 
I mean, those are two good things to be thankful for. Those are little things, right? They're not great, big, overt things, but it's something to be thankful for. What else are you thankful for? The air conditioning now worse. How did we live before air conditioning? Yeah. It was tough, let me tell you. It was back when we were still cutting those wheels out of stone. We had what was called attic fans. You ever lived in a house that had an attic fan? Didn't have air conditioning? Had an attic fan. Lived in a house with an attic fan. It was a little old frame house up on Mitchell Street. And uh, where I spent the first few years of my life. An attic fan... <coughs> was the poor man's air conditioner, okay? So you had this huge fan that's up in the attic, and you turn that thing on, and it made a lot of noise, <laughs> like that, you know? So the theory was you open all the windows in your house, and that was back when front doors and your doors of your house, you had screen doors. Screen doors are for a purpose, see? That's to let air in the house. So you open all that up, and you open your doors, and you shut the screens and everything, and you let that draft pull through your house. The theory was it's supposed to cool you down, right? But when it's 150% humidity in East Texas in the month of August, what it did was it made you wet. <laughs> because you had cool air blowing over your sweaty skin while you was trying to sleep at night, okay? So that, that was before. So we can be thankful for air conditioning. And whenever it goes out, but when it goes out, are you still thankful? <laughs> or when the car doesn't start, Sam, are you still thankful? <laughs> See, Thanksgiving is so much about our attitude, right? And our attitude many times is determined by what we're focused on. If we're just focused on the temporal things of life, and those things don't work or don't work out or whatever, then our response is usually one not of thanksgiving. But when our focus is on something much higher and greater, we can still be thankful when the little things in life don't work out. Okay. <clears throat> and I will say to you, as most of you are much younger than I am, we're living in a time where it's going to become harder and harder for us to remain on that high plane of thinking, thinking and be thankful in the midst of very negative circumstances that are going on around us. I mean, I was just watching the news for about 30 minutes yesterday evening. That's about all I can take of it. And all the stuff that's going on, and it is just overwhelming to me to think of where we are as a nation today. But we can still be very thankful that we do live in a nation of freedom and that God has allowed us the opportunity to live, even in America, as imperfect as it is, at this particular juncture in history. Because if you think about it, the Lord is still opening up many opportunities for us as his servants 
to propel the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ into a very, very chaotic world and circumstances in which we live today. And for that, we can be thankful. And we can be thankful that we still have the the privilege and the ability to be able to do that in a free society because that is not the norm around much of the world. So a lot of times we see all the imperfection in our society. In Western culture, we see all the imperfection in our own nation in its own in its behavior and we begin to think well we have it worse than everybody else no we don't we still have it much better than most of the rest of the world and so there's great opportunity for you and I as the saints of God to be able to be thankful and still have an attitude of thankfulness in the midst of chaos and strife and everything that we see going on around us that influences the culture around us, and that's a different outlook. That's fixing your eyes on a much higher, nobler plane than just what you see going on around you and what you may be experiencing in life. And so this is exactly what David does here in Psalm 138, where he says, I will give thee thanks with all my heart, I will praise I will sing praises to thee before the gods. Now that word gods that's used there is little g gods and remember there were most of society surrounding the nation of Israel were polytheistic. So there were many many gods all around them, okay? Many nations who believed in other gods. Many of them would accept Jehovah God as a god, but he was just another god among gods, okay? So David is saying, I will express my thanksgiving and I will sing praises to thee before the gods or other cultures or other gods. You are not just another god. You are the god. Okay? And so you are different than all the rest. I will bow down toward thy holy temple and give thanks to thy name for thy loving kindness and thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word according to thy name. Verse 3, on the day I called, thou didst answer me, thou didst make me bold with strength in my soul, and all the kings of the earth will give thanks to thee, O Lord, when they have heard the words of thy mouth. So David is declaring that the thanksgiving that's in my heart is going to cause me to act out within the society that I live, okay? My extol of God and my thankful heart towards the Lord is going to cause me to express it even before people who do not understand exactly what I'm expressing, even before people who cannot comprehend why I would be thankful, you know, about whatever it is, that this is countercultural and I'm going to do it. So my heart is overwhelmed to the point to where my thanksgiving is not just inward, but it becomes outward. And he, not, he talks about the circumstances in which it will become outward and how he will express himself. It's very important that we express our thanksgiving and have that heart bent towards thanksgiving for God, but also to let that overflow 
in our expression to other people, to all of those around us, in whatever circumstance they see us in. Don't you find it very uh, comforting and a lot of times kind of brings revival to your soul whenever you hear of someone who is going through some very dire circumstances in life, whether it be their health, their family, something that has touched them that is a uh, that we uh, would say is an extreme adversity, but yet they respond in a very positive way with an attitude of thankfulness towards the Lord. When the circumstances in their life would dictate, why are you being thankful? You know? You've been diagnosed with cancer. Again. Why are you thankful? This has happened to your husband. This has happened to your brother, your sister. This has happened to someone whom you're close to. It's touched their life. Why are you thankful for that? Why are you thankful? It's because the person who is indeed thankful in their heart amidst negative circumstances has not fixed their eyes on the problem, but they have fixed their eyes on the problem solver so that they can still respond with an attitude of thankfulness. And it's good for us to experience that. It's good for us to hear of that adversity in other person's lives and see them respond with thankfulness. And it's good for you to do that. That is a good pattern for your life to remain thankful amidst all the circumstances of life, whatever you find yourself in. So, let's go back to verse 2 here and break this down just a little bit more. I will bow down toward thy holy temple. Well, the holy temple, of course, was in Jerusalem that he is referring to. And, of course, David is not talking about Solomon's temple because Solomon's temple has not been built, right? So he's talking about the tabernacle, which was the mosaic tabernacle, that old tent of meeting that Israel was still using as its official place of worship. So he says, I bow down towards your temple, God. Okay? So that's a reference to a literal place on earth and that tabernacle that they were still using. But he is also, this is also illustrative of heavenly language, that he bows down not only towards the temple at Jerusalem, but he's bowing down to the greater temple that is in heaven. And see, this is part of of David fixing his eyes not on the temporal, but on the eternal. Not on the temporal, but on the eternal. And that's the only way that you and I can be thankful in the midst of very negative circumstances is for us to fix our eyes on the eternal and not on the temporal, okay? So this is one thing that he's doing and he's expressing here. And I give thanks to thy name for thy loving kindness and thy truth. Your loving kindness. What does loving kindness mean? This is the part where you talk and I listen. <laughs> loving kindness. What is he expressing here?
steadfast love. Okay, let's talk about that word steadfast. What does steadfast mean? Never changes. It's immutable, right? It's steadfast. It's steady. It's always there. It doesn't change. And so David is saying your loving kindness endures amidst circumstances. Okay? God's loving kindness is fixed. He's always functioning out of an attitude of loving kindness. Okay? And then he says your loving kindness and thy truth. And then he further talks more about that word truth here in the next sentence for thou hast magnified thy word according to thy name now that word word there is little w not capital w okay but again this can have a twofold meaning in its interpretation so if i give you my word about something what have i done i made a promise I give you my word. And that is the same thought that David is expressing here. He's talking about God's loving kindness, his steadfast love towards us. It does not change. Okay? It's steady. It's there. About the truth. Okay? The truth is the truth is the truth. Right? Now, we live in a world today where truth is subject to change, right? Right? Wrong? Am I right or wrong? Okay. So, is it accurate to say that truth changes? Does it change? truth doesn't change. In and of itself, the truth never changes. Okay? So, what he is talking about is this steadfast love, this loving kindness, steadfast love, the truth of God, which never changes. Okay? This is all very concrete language that he's using here. The truth of God that never changes. Okay? And he talks about the promises of God. And the promises of God are always yes and amen. The promises of God are always concrete. The promises of God are always there and they never change. If God promises that he is going to do something, he has given his word, he can never go back on his word because if he goes back on his word, he is no longer God. So all of this is very concrete language, and this is what David is focusing his attention on because everything else around us shifts and changes, does it not? I mean, everything around us is always shifting and changing, morphing, and it's open to interpretation. And what this word used to mean, now it doesn't mean that anymore, you know, and all of this kind of stuff. It's all, everything today, in my point of view, in culture has become so convoluted that if I don't really know what the truth is and if I don't trust in a God who I know for certain is always acting towards me with loving kindness 
And if I don't have any ground to stand on to know that my God keeps his word and keeps his promises, then we are living in a world today that is like standing on quicksand because everything else is shifting and changing and morphing and all of this, and it's doing it at a rapid pace. Okay? David is drawing attention to the facts about an omniscient, omnipresent God who doesn't change and whose word is always true. And you and I need to grasp that even more today than we did yesterday. Because the world in which we live is so counter to that and so counter to that point of view that it's about as far as the east is from the west. We need to know what the truth is and stand on the truth of God's word. We need to understand that our God does not move, (laughs) that he stays, he is steadfast, he's always loving and kind towards me and everyone else, even though the circumstances look like he is not that way, but he is always working, right? He's always working for what? Romans chapter 8, 28 and 29. those who are called according to his purpose he is always trans for the child of God he is always working in our life to bring Christ likeness to you and I and he works all things whether we perceive those things as negative or whether we perceive those things as positive God takes all of those things those circumstances in life and he melds it all together and he works it out for our good Now, sometimes you can't see the good in it right now. Sometimes, see, I have the, (laughs) there's a couple of us in here that have the ability to look back now, which is a great thing, let me tell you. It's a great thing. It brings a lot of perspective, okay? And things that I thought were not for my good at the time that they were happening to me I now look back 10, 15, 20 years removed from that, and I thank God (laughs) that he did not do what I wanted him to do because it was good for me. And David, when he writes this psalm, is looking back at his experience with his heavenly Father, who is perfect in all ways, and is saying, I am perfect thankful for your loving kindness. I'm thankful for your word that I can trust. I'm thankful that you keep your promises because I've seen how this has worked itself out for my good time and time and time again. Okay? So, On the day that I called, thou didst answer me, thou didst make me hold, thou didst make me bold, excuse me, with strength in my soul. You made me bold. You strengthened my soul. Okay? And that's going to cause me to act out and to demonstrate the thankfulness that I have in my heart for what God has done for me. I'm going to extol that outwardly. All the kings of the earth will give thanks to thee, O Lord. 
when they have heard the words of thy mouth. Can you think of a verse in the New Testament that clearly defines what is going to happen in regard to kings and princes and so forth at the name of Jesus one day? Give you a hand, it's in Philippians. Every, right? Every. All these other kings that surround me, David says, all these other kings, for one thing, David is saying today, when these kings come to visit me, and they did, because David was the most powerful king and with the most powerful kingdom in that region of the world at that time, other kings came to him to pay tribute and to visit him. And what he is saying is, when these other kings come into my court to visit me, I extol my thankfulness to God himself before these other kings so that they hear it and they understand it. And it's also telling us and affirming to us Philippians Scripture, the Scripture in Philippians, excuse me, that one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it does not matter about the position of man. One day every knee shall bow. Okay? In humble adoration before the Lord. So he's not only speaking about his circumstance at the time in which he lived and how he would ex- express himself then, but he's also speaking in the prophetic as well as what will happen in end time events. In verse 5, And they will sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. So he says, I'm going to lead these other kings who may not understand or have the same understanding about Jehovah God that I do, but I am going to lead them to sing praises to your name. Okay? So right now we ought to all erupt in song and sing praises to the name of the Lord, which I'm not going to lead you to do that because if you heard me do that, you wouldn't like it. But <laughs> David is saying, I'm going to sing out. You know, David, music was extremely important to David, right? It was a great means of expression that David had and a great God-given talent uh, that David had, and he used it to honor and glorify the Lord. And he's saying, I'm so overwhelmed with thanksgiving for what God has done for me and his immutable character that I can trust through all circumstances that it is going to cause me to speak out to these other kings and it's also going to cause me to lead them in praise to a God whom they may not completely understand. So this is how he is expressing himself in all of this about how great uh, the Lord is and his loving kindness towards him. For great is the glory of the Lord. For thou, the Lord, is exalted, yet he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Right? The haughty he knows from afar. So when we act out in pride, in our, the pride of life, and our human pride that we have, and that haughtiness, he is saying... God exalts the lowly, or those who are humble in our heart, but he does not exalt 
those who are prideful and arrogant before him. Because how could we be prideful and arrogant before God? I mean, he's so far up here, (laughs) and we're so down here, even in our most prideful of positions and arrogance, how could we even approach God out of our own pride and our own haughtiness and in arrogance? How do we even approach God? Uh, Because he regards the lowly, or he shows favoritism, or he elevates them uh, because he sees the lowliness of their heart and the humbleness of the circumstance in which they walk in, that is the circumstance of their heart. Verse 7, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. So here David is expressing his thanksgiving while walking in the midst of trouble. Have you ever walked through the midst of trouble and still cried out to the Lord in thanksgiving? When you walk through the midst of trouble, what is your normal cry? Help! (laughs) Look at me. You see what's going on down here with me, Lord? You see? You see me? The answer is yes. He sees us. But instead of us crying out about the circumstance and asking for relief in the midst of what we're walking through, David is saying his response is a response of thanksgiving. Now, there are many other psalms where David walks through some very low spots in his life, and he does cry out before the Lord. And I'm not negating that in any shape, form, or fashion. Because God, who is a God of steadfast, loving kindness, lets us cry out in all of our anxiety, anxiousness, whatever it is that's going on in life, He allows us to cast that upon him, and it is good for us to express that to him. It's okay. But David is also here teaching that we should cry out with thanksgiving while walking through the midst of trouble. We can still be thankful people. We can still have a heart of thanksgiving, even in the midst of trouble. But you and I cannot do that. When we are walking in and of our own flesh while we are going through the struggle of life, whatever circumstance that we find ourselves in, if the flesh is overwhelming us and and we're giving more uh, consciousness and we're giving more, uh, we're feeding the flesh in the circumstance that we find ourselves in more than we are feeding our spirit, and if we are putting our eyes strictly on our circumstances and not lifting our eyes up and looking towards the holy temple, towards heaven, and getting some heavenly perspective and some eternal perspective about the circumstance that I find myself in today. 
if we don't respond like that, then it is impossible for us to be people who are truly thankful while we are walking through the midst of adversity. Again, it's about perspective. It's about fixing our eyes on that which is eternal and not that which is temporal, which is exactly what he's doing. So he said, while I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. It also tells me that trouble teaches me many things. Trouble teaches me many things about walking with the Lord. Now, when I'm in trouble, when you're in trouble, what do we want? I tell you what I want. I want relief. I want it right now. I want out of the trouble. I want it to be gone. I don't want to walk through it anymore. I want it to be over. But God in his loving kindness says, Son, that's not good for you. What is good for you is to walk through it with me. That's what's good for you. Now, some of us in here have the perspective also of being parents. And you know that as well as I do. You have to let your children walk through some stuff in life so that they understand what it means to persevere and to suffer and all of those things because all of those things builds character, right? It builds character. And it helps you not to repeat the same mistakes again if you have to live through the mistake that you've already made. God is a good heavenly father (laughs) okay so it is not good for us and it's not good from a father's perspective to immediately lift the child out of the circumstance and not let them learn the lesson that they need to learn while walking through the midst of it because when you have walked through the midst of adversity and struggle with the Lord what happens is is that you learn to rely on him more and more and more. And it strengthens your relationship with the Father. And so it's good for us to walk through and amid, as he says here, in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. It's good for me. It's good for my soul to walk through trouble. That's counterintuitive. For the human being but it is good for us as the child of God and we need to remember that thou wilt stretch forth thy hand against the wrath of my enemies and thy right hand will save me so God is always there to protect me even in the midst of walking through the circumstances and he protects me from my enemies and he protects my character from my enemies He does all of those things for me. He fights my battles. The strong right hand that's depicted here in Scripture, whenever you see that, and it's mentioned many times, especially in Old Testament Scripture, the strong right hand, the right hand was the hand of power. Okay? The right hand was the hand of power. 
and it is always representative of power. And it's also representative of steadfastness. Okay? So when David speaks of the right hand that he's going to save, that God's going to save him by his right hand, that means that God is going to bring his authority into your situation. He is going to reach out with his right hand, his strong right hand, that is the sustaining hand of power. God uses that strong right hand to walk you through the midst of the struggle. So he's there to sustain you, and he's there to protect you, and he's there with his heavenly authority working through your circumstance in life. And David says, I can trust that. And I've learned to trust that. Okay? I've learned it. I've learned the lesson of trusting in the Lord and about how he protects me. Because remember, David could look back by the time that he writes this psalm. He could look back at all of the struggle that he went through with Saul. Remember Saul? Saul, the man that David would come and play on the lyre and soothe his heart and soothe his soul and get him to calm himself down and then the next moment would become so riled up at him that he would pick up a spear and throw it at David and try to kill him. The same man that he ministered to time and time again and was Saul's right hand for many, many years, that same man would pursue him throughout the wilderness and try to kill him. Many, many times try to assassinate him. And many times it looked bleak. It looked like Saul had him. Remember the time where David and his men are in the back of the cave? And Saul and his men come into the front part of the cave and camp out for the night? That's pretty close to your enemy. (laughs) The man that's trying to assassinate you, right? trying to kill you. And David's men are telling him, now's your chance. You can take care of this situation right here and right now because he's asleep and they don't know we're in here. So slip up on Saul and kill him. Take care of the circumstance right now by your own means and your own power, do you think God put us in the cave together? So I think God put us in here together so you could kill Saul. You don't think that they weren't trying to tell David that? <laughs> the circumstances are right, David. Let's just go ahead and take care of this right now and kill Saul. It's all done. Right. What's David do? what he did he slipped up on him during the night and he cut off a hem of his robe and then he showed it to him the next morning and he declared that he could not take Saul's life because it was not in the Lord's will basically that he take Saul's life and he knew it And so he honored the man 
that was trying to kill him. See, that's walking through. <laughs> that's walking in the midst of circumstance. That's not taking the, everything into your own hands and your own cunning and trying to do it yourself and saying now the time is right and all the circumstances are right and now I'll act and now I'll do it and I'll just take care of this situation right now. That is waiting on the Lord to do what the Lord wants to do when the Lord wants to do it. And David could look back many years later after that and write this kind of psalm saying, I know what it is to walk through. And I know that the Lord uses that to revive my heart and that he protects me from my enemies. In verse 8, the Lord will accomplish what concerns me. He will accomplish what concerns me. He will do what's good for me. He will do and act about what's good for me. That's, he says, I trust that. He will accomplish what concerns me. The loving kindness, thy loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Again, he reiterates that part, point about loving kindness. It's steadfast. It's immutable. It's enduring. It never changes. God is always acting out in loving kindness towards his creation. Thy loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Do not forsake the works of thy hands. In other words, do your will. And I submit to that will. You do what's in my best interest. And I trust you. And because I trust you, I will express thanksgiving towards you. And I will express that thanksgiving in front of all people. Not only the subjects of my kingdom, my own court, the people who serve me, but other kings that come into my presence. I'm going to give thanks to the Lord for what you have done for me and what I know that you will do for me. So he's looking into the past. He's acknowledging his present situation. And he is also trusting for the future that God will do what is in David's best interest. And David says, I trust the Lord in all of these things. And I pray that his will be done. The works of thy hands be accomplished. Whatever that is, Lord, I trust you. Now, that's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? That's a lot easier said than done. But we can say it and say it with assurance when we fix our eyes on the eternal and not on the temporal. Okay? And that's a practice. That's a choice that we make. That's a choice that we have. So tomorrow, when Sam calls one of y'all because her car won't start, and she's got to get over to Lufkin to her new job. Did y'all know Sam's got a new job? <laughs> she's a teacher, very noble profession. Thankful for the Lord for providing for that, providing that for you, right? Absolutely. But when her car doesn't start and she calls you because she needs some help, 
Say, Sam, are you thankful that your car didn't start? <laughs> Put it back on Sam. You know, <laughs> right? Are we still going to be thankful tomorrow when we get a call, when we get a phone call that something didn't work out like we thought it was going to work out or something fell through? For me and Andrew, we're in commission sales. I mean, it's like a roller coaster ride for us guys. I mean, it's one day we're up here, the next day we can be down here. Sometimes that happens in the span of 30 minutes, doesn't it, Andrew? You think you got a deal set and it's going through, and then all of a sudden it just falls apart and it does it all one phone call. Okay. Are we still going to be thankful and say, Lord, you know what's best for me? and my family, and I trust you in this. I mean, let's be practical about this. Are we still going to be able to trust when the deal don't work out? David said, I can trust and I can be thankful when everything's working out and good. And I can trust and I can be thankful even when it seems like it's all going south. Because I choose to trust. And I choose to be thankful in whatever circumstance I find myself in. Right. That's Psalm 138.